manage everything.
All right, good morning, Washington Church. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I'm going to invite you guys to stand. Stand on your feet. And join us in the call to worship. And then I've got some special instructions for the kids today. So let's join together in the call to worship. How great is our God. How awesome are your deeds. Lord, you are gracious and compassionate. You are my rock, my shield, and my fortress. Therefore, we will sing your praises and speak of your goodness. Jesus, you are worthy of all worship and praise. Reveal yourself to us. All right, kiddos, tonight is Encounter Kids. Super excited. So while we sing our first song today, uh, I need every kid in here to have a praise banner. And you guys are going to practice for tonight. I need you guys to really uh, get the adults moving and grooving today. Okay, kids? You got it?
come forward for the kids' message, and adults, greet others around you. All right, calling all kids. Make your way up. That's not how they do it? How do they do it? Meester. Hey, good morning. Thanks for scampering on up. Hey, hey, little bug. All right. Good morning. It's so good to see you guys. My name's Dylan or Mr. Murphy. So one of the last things that Jesus said to his friends, they were all having dinner. They were gathering together, and he looked at them. He slowed down. He made eye contact. He said, hey, guys, you and me are like plants, we're like plants. Does that make you kind of go like, huh? Is Jesus a plant? No, he's not a plant. Huh. How could they be like plants? In fact, he said, we're like a specific plant. So we're kind of like a vine. So right now, I'm living at my wife's parents' house, and they grow a bunch of plants. In fact, I had a huge plant I was going to bring, but it was tropical, and it wouldn't have been able to make it in the cold. Instead, I brought a plant that you guys can maybe tell me what kind of type of plant it is, because it's one of the plants that it starts off and it just kind of keeps going. Kieran, can you, can you pull that off? Huh. Look at this plant. It's supposed to stay all together, but it's kind of hanging down. What, what kind of plant is that? Does anybody know? Yeah. I don't know my plants very well, so it's easy to get on the same level as me. It starts with a V. It starts with a V. It's a vine. You got it. It's a vine. And so, so what part of this plant is going to keep going? Yeah, right there. It's going to keep going, and we're going to see more leaves, and more things are going to be connected to it. So Jesus looked at his friends, and I don't know. I don't know if you and your friends call each other plants. That's a little, that's a little odd. But he was actually saying something really, really good, because what he was saying is, hey, I'm like a vine, and you all are like the branches. And this, this vine isn't big enough to have branches, so it has leaves. So we can imagine ourselves as leaves. He says, I'm the vine, and you're the branches. You're like leaves. And here's the good news. All of you are already connected to me. Well, there's nothing you have to do. I, I came and I actually, I grew your faith. I, I nourished you, and I actually made you who you are today. And here's why it's a big deal that Jesus told them this at the last meal they were having together. Where was Jesus going to head? He was going to go to the cross. He was going to be raised from the dead. And then where was he headed? Where was he headed? Do you know? He was headed to the cross and then to the... Where's, where's after the cross? Yes, yeah, so the cross, grave, resurrected, spent time with them, and then ultimately to heaven to rule the whole world, which is awesome because we're connected to him and he rules the whole world. But can you imagine that they might have been sad? Here's Jesus, he's our best friend, and he's heading off. But he just said, guess what? We're always like this. We're always going to be connected. And in fact, 
I made you to be that way. Here's what he said to his friends this last meal that they were having together. He says, yes, I'm the vine, and you all, he looked at each of them and said, you all are the branches. Those that remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words, so all the things he talked about, them, he says, if all that stays deep inside of you, you can ask for anything you want from my Father, and it will be granted to you. What do plants need to live? Three things. You got one? Sunlight, water, and air for sure. Yeah, so let's add that, because I, I like that. They need air for sure. I got one more. They need dirt, which is what connects them to food and nutrients. Jesus is saying, hey, I have made a good world. The sun's shining on you. You're breathing air. There's rain. But you need life, and you need nourishment, and those are my words. And I put them into your hearts so that you can be connected to me all the time and so that I can give you life. And so this week, know that you don't have to get to Jesus. He's already connected to you. He's growing you, and his words in your heart is what gives you life. He is so close to you. You're like the same plant. And can you guys tell me one more thing? What does this leaf have in common with this leaf? Do they have anything at all to do with each other? What do they have? Ah, so that older leaf has been growing a little bit greener because it's been sticking around longer. It seems like we grow and we change. Huh, it's like there's something similar to them. And do they, and do they have anything to do with each other? They're all green and connected. Jesus draws us all to be connected to him, and that makes us connected to each other. So that's why he said, love one another. Let me pray for you guys for this this week. Jesus, you had meals with us. You love us. Shh, thanks, buddy. And you made us one with you. You brought us in, and you are growing us, and you are giving us life. Would you put your words deep, deep, deep into our hearts uh, so that we can hear you this week? Would you connect us deeply to each other through you? And Lord, we just know that you give us life, and so we praise you. Thank you that we're more than plants, that we're your children, and that you love us, and you pull us close, and you hold us tight, and you make us yours, and you grow us. We praise your name. And we all say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, see y'all. Good morning, Washington. I almost got Sampita there. It was a little scary for a minute.
Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. My name's Miranda. We're very glad you're here, if it's your first time or your thousandth time or more. Um, if you are new today, we do have these welcome cards. We would love for you to fill these out. Um, just let us know how we can connect with you, how we can be praying for you. If you're not new and you do have a prayer request or a question, this is also um, the perfect way to fill out a card to get more information. And then you can put these in the black boxes that are by both the exits. Uh, you can also give in those black boxes, or you can give online at washingtonchurch.org give, or we have a convenient QRC code on the bulletin you received, um, and you can also give that way. We do have a couple of upcoming events as well. So our core groups have just uh, started back for the spring semester. If you did not join a core group last semester, there are a few that are still open to new um, participants. So we have the sheet. So if um, this, if you have a a core group on the sheet that means they are still open to receiving people and then the leaders information is actually on here so you can directly um, connect with them to get more information and then we also have kids encounter night coming up tonight at 5 30 p.m uh, we had to move it to downstairs because we grew so quick so that's awesome and so during this time we ask that parents stay with their kids or guardians and we're trying to teach um, families how to to worship together from the adults to the kids and the kids are doing a great job teaching us so I highly um, encourage you if you have kids elementary or younger um, to come to that tonight and then we have our regular encounter night next week January 15th at 5 30 p.m. and we will be having the Redeemer Church pastor John Pipo um, that will be joining us for that for an evening of healing so you definitely don't want to miss that and then I'm going to ask Ann Kroll to come Come up and give us a um, PCH recovery update. Good morning, family. Uh, about five or six weeks ago, <clears throat> I stood up here and, <clears throat> excuse me, and I shared about Vivian. I'm here to give. Um, such a joyful update. Um, <clears throat> this church family, Washington Church, has come around uh, Providence Children's Home, has come around Vivian. And uh, from your heart, we have raised $12,969. I... I can't even express to you um, the joy that has come from uh, Providence Children's Home in terms of the staff, um, in terms of the board members, but I'm here to, I wrote some down that I'd like to share. I'm going to share an update of how Vivian's doing, and then I'm going to share their words so that you can hear directly from them. Um, the update with Vivian is, I think we have some pictures too. There she is. Um, the update with Vivian is that she continues um, to live at Restore Hospital, where she's receiving all the therapy that I spoke about several weeks ago. Um, she's in good spirits. She took her exam, her high school exam. Um, she was insistent on taking it. She took her exam. Proctors came out um, and sat with her as she took the exam. Uh, so we're waiting for the results of that. 
Um, she has some sensation in her legs. She is wiggling her toes. Yes. Yep. Um, because of our donations, uh, Washington, or Washington, because of Washington Church donations, Providence Children's Home, the staff, have been able to visit her two times a week. And it was her birthday, and so they took this cake. There she is. This is some of the staff, um, and some of the older girls are here. Um, this woman right here in the hat, her, um, her, that's the house mother. Her name is Jane. I'd like to read to you Jane's words. Jane is basically her mother. Um, and I spoke about that uh, several weeks ago, if you'll remember. So these are the words of the house mother for the girls who has become Vivian's mother to our congregation. No words can express my gratitude. Glory to God. It was so dark for us in October when the accident happened. But who is God? Who is God? He is Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh. So many good and kind things to us. May Washington Church lack nothing. May every congregant at Washington Church lack absolutely nothing. The darkness last October has been replaced by light. Glory to God, I love you. The words from one of the board members in Kenya, and this is the last thing I'll say. We thank God for Washington Church. This is a church that we cannot explain their commitment to God and serving his people. Indeed, we are humbled, and we pray for Pastor Jimmy and all the people of Washington Church for God to refresh you in all areas of need as you have refreshed our daughter, Vivian. May God's grace and mercy and favor be upon your church. We bless God for your giving and generous spirit. Amen. Good morning, Washington Church. It's good to be with you this morning. Welcome. Um, for those who, who didn't know, um, Vivian was in an accident. Actually, a building collapsed on her, and they thought she'd be paralyzed for the rest of her life. So um, just for those of you who didn't hear that story or weren't here five weeks ago when Anne did a great job of, of sharing. So it's, it's, it's amazing to see God begin to, to heal her body, um, which is awesome. So this morning, we have a child dedication, uh, actually two children from, from a single family. So I want to invite that family to come on up. And they're going to uh, read scripture over the kids, and we're going to dedicate them this morning. All right, so this is Asher and Ashlyn that we're going to dedicate this morning. And we asked uh, the family members to write down scriptures that they wanted to choose as a life verse for their children, and they're going to read those things. But before we get to that, there's a commitment that we ask the family to make um, around dedicating their children to the Lord. And, and so I'm going to ask them these things, and then they're going to answer with, we do. And then you as the community of faith at Washington get to stand and stand with them and commit to them as well in the raising of their children in the faith. So we, we ask you, do you recognize your children as a gift of God and heartfelt thanks for God's blessing? If so, say we do. 
Do you promise to instruct your child and children in the word of God and by precept and example, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? If so, say we do. Do you promise to regularly bring your child to the house of God to the end that they will develop a love for Christ and his church and for his word? If so, say we do. Amen. Okay. Um, Washington Church, I want to invite you to stand if you're willing and to commit to this family and to these children. And we're going to uh, just say these words together for them. Would you join me? As a part of the body, or, oh, let's start again. We're going back one? Yeah, we start with that. All right, let's do it again. Here we go. We, the people of Washington Church, receive these child into our love and care. We promise as brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage and support you as parents in the fulfillment of your covenant. All right, I think that's it. Have a seat. Okay, so I'll allow you to share um, the scripture verse for your children, and then we'll dedicate them. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Uh, We have two scripture verses for each of the child right here, and um, we start with Asher. We chose uh, the scripture of um, 1 Samuel verse, um, chapter 1, verses 27 to 28. So, if I can see where we are here. Okay. Uh, it says, um, I asked the Lord to give me this, this boy, and he granted my request. Now I'm giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped unto the Lord. Uh, we chose um, the book of First James for Ashlyn, chapter 17. I'm sorry, First James 1, verse 17. So whatever is good and perfect comes down from God our Father, who created all lights in the heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting, a shifting shadow. So that's the verse we chose for you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing. All right, Asher, come here. We're going to show you to everybody else. All right. You're not so big. I can't lift you up. So this is Asher. <clears throat> So Asher, the scripture first that was spoken over you is that which was spoken over Samuel. So my prayer, and God wants to say to you, may you be like Samuel. May you have his heart. And when times are challenging and tough, when others look away, that you stay steadfast. And people will come to you and seek advice and wisdom of God. So today, Asher, I dedicate you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. All right, Ashlyn, you ready? Can I show you off? Look at your pretty dress. Look at you, girl. This is Ashlyn. Ashlyn, you are a beautiful gift, a gift of light and goodness. 
And may people see you and realize the presence of Christ is in you. May you share that presence with the world. May people come to know Jesus because of your faithfulness and your goodness and your steadfastness. I dedicate you today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Can you come here? Will you stand as we continue in worship? And I saw this um, the other day as I was scrolling through Facebook. There are some good things that happen there. Um, <laughs> and um, I just saw this, this post that said, the Lord um, is just as delighted to spend time with you as you are to spend time with him. That he delights in being with us. He delights in being in our presence just as much as we delight when he is in our presence. And I think that sometimes we think that we have to be perfect or put on a show or worship a certain way or pray a certain way to move the heart of God. But it takes a lot less effort than we think. Just giving our all and giving our heart as a humble sacrifice to the Lord. Just saying, I'm here and I want to meet with you. It moves the heart of God because he delights in us. Because he delights in us as his children. And so this morning, I just get the sense that uh, the Lord just wants to meet with us. And he wants you to know that he delights in you and that he loves being in our midst, that he loves to encounter us and meet with us. So this morning, uh, we're just gonna, before we start the song, we're gonna make space. We're gonna create space uh, just for him and we're just gonna surrender ourselves and just thank him for how he delights in us and how he loves us and how he loves to be with us. So we're just going to take a minute uh, and invite him.
Betty is amazing. There are not words, there are not words to express who Holy Spirit is, what Holy Spirit can do when he comes and when he fills. And so I just, I'm like, we got to release the prayer team in this place or release y'all to go to the prayer team. I believe that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning. I believe that you can have an encounter with Holy Spirit this morning and that we can impart that to each other as saints indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You may not want it. You may not be brave enough to go this morning. We pray that you can be brave enough someday, but seriously, prayer team, want to come off the sides and start asking that Holy Spirit would fill, would fill people. If you are standing there in your pew and you're like, this is the cry of my heart this morning and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, go find somebody. We can do this. We can. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is the Father's delight to pour out more of the Holy Spirit when we ask him for it. It is. It is, y'all. And so I'm praying this over each and every one of you as I sing this this morning. And some of you aren't ready to receive it. That's okay. That's okay. But for those of you who you can feel your heart burning in your chest, for those of you who feel like you're about to throw up and you, you know that you need to go and ask to be filled, filled, filled with the Holy Spirit, go, go. We can do this this morning. Let's sing out this prayer. Let's sing out this prayer again.
we thank you that you are our comforter, that you are our friend, that you show us the heart of the Father towards us, that you show us the heart of the Father towards all of your children, that you guide us, that you lead us, that you convict us, that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. So Holy Spirit, we just pray that we would have eyes to see you. That we would have eyes to see how you're moving. That we would have eyes to see how you're moving in others. Spirit, we thank you for meeting with us. We surrender ourselves to you. We surrender ourselves to your Lordship. And we just ask for more, that we would never be satisfied, that we would always desire more of you, knowing that there are new depths So we just ask for more, whatever it looks like. And as we hear your word brought forth, may it be brought forth with conviction, with truth, and that we would be good soil to hear your word. I want to, uh, it was mentioned already, but I want to encourage you uh, next Sunday night, um, Pastor Pipo will be here. He's an unbelievable, humble man of God. He came here, I don't know, a little less than a year ago, uh, taught on healing, and then uh, he stepped back from his teaching, and he goes, hey, we're just going to pray. Does anybody want to pray for healing? And somebody came up and began to pray with them, and I'm sitting in a room of 50 people kind of watching this happening, wondering what's going to go down. And I uh, prayed for this woman for, I don't know, about 20 seconds, and he goes, now, you know, see what's happened. Can he asked her to check what was wrong, and she began to check, and she goes, I haven't been able to do this in 10 years. And I was like, what in the world? It was, it was amazing. And then after that, he's like, does anybody else want it? And all these people started coming up to the front. So I'd encourage you, Come. And, and if there's people in your life you know that need healing in some capacity, healing can be many different things. It could be the soul. It can be the body. Bring them. Um, I've, I've actually reached out to a number of people outside of Washington and different aspects of life, and I've, I encourage them to come, and, and hopefully they'll come and, and uh, have that experience. Actually, um, a couple of the priests at Reed School, I invited them to come, so they said they might come. 
And I ran into a couple sisters on my retreat, nuns, and I was like, hey, you should come. They're like, that sounds amazing. Maybe it will come. 83-year-old woman. Unbelievable. Um, Still falling hard after God. Uh, Before I jump into the text, I I just want to share just briefly with you kind of family type stuff. Churches are families, and and, um, during our our staff meeting, it came to my attention that one, one of the messages that I gave was confusing for people. Um, and so I just want to share with you as a people, uh, if you're ever you're confused, if you have questions, if anything comes up, come talk to me. That's what the scriptures say to do. I love talking to people. That's my job. I'll let me know when you're available. We'll make time. We'll sit down. We'll have coffee. We'll chat. Um, I will also say that I'm not always right because I'm human and I, and I make mistakes. And, and I humbly uh, ask for your forgiveness for when I do that. Um, I do the best I can, and I ask God, what do you want me to say? And I try to, to do the best I can with that. I don't always do it perfectly and, and the best it could be. And I actually went back and listened to that message, and I was like, oh, okay, I can see where there's confusion here. Um, and so it happens. I apologize for that. Um, so I wanted to start with that and, and then get into the, to the scriptures this morning. And uh, it's, it's not been an easy week for me and, and my household and my family, and we've been wrestling through things. And... So I was here last night, and um, whatever it was, I got here at 9.30. Um, I usually get here at 7, 7.30 to work on my message, kind of finish it off, pray, spend time with the Lord, sitting here, praying for you all, and asking God, Lord, you know, show me what you want me to say. And I was sitting in front of my computer in my office, as I do, with all my notes, and I had seven pages of notes, which means that I haven't had enough time to whittle them down to a proper amount, um, which is what happened this week. And I just had this sense, I, I just kept going through the notes, and I was like, oh, I don't have time for that, i got to cut this out, i got to cut that out. And, and uh, just staring at the p- computer and, and almost feeling like, I just don't feel like doing this, <laughs> to be honest. Um, yet knowing, like, no, it's, and so I was like, okay, Lord, should we just pray? We're talking about prayer, should we just pray? Like, that's probably better than anything I'm going to say anyway. Um, and literally, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, no. Just leave the notes behind and, and say what I tell you to say. So I have no notes. I just have a Bible. Um, and this is enough, obviously. So it's, uh, I guess you can blame it on the Holy Spirit if you don't like what I'm about to say. Um, let me start with this. So we're talking about prayer. We're, we're, in a, we're in a series right now at Washington Church on spiritual disciplines. And the purpose of spiritual disciplines are to uh, challenge us and invite us to make ourselves more available to God. That's what they're about, right? That's That's the whole point of them. And some of them flow easier than others, and some are brutally hard, like fasting. You know, try going without eating for several days in a row, and you'll see that it's it's a challenge. But what that does is it begins to to pierce through uh, our humanity, our body. And it invites space for our soul, our spirit, to kind of come alive in a different way that can't normally come alive without these disciplines. And that's why they're called disciplines, because they're hard to do. And prayer is a discipline. If you look at the life of Jesus, and how he operated, and the ministry that he did, unbelievable, right? Nobody was going to argue. You read through the Gospels. You know, he walked with people. He sat with broken people. He came alongside wounded people. He, he came alongside outcasts of society, women and lepers, and he held them up. He lifted them up. But he also did what we'd call miraculous things. 
There were people who couldn't walk, and Jesus laid hands on them and prayed for them, and they got up and they started walking. There's people that were blind, and Jesus laid hands on them, and all of a sudden they could see whether their eyes were recreated or, or just healed from some sort of disease. Who knows? It doesn't matter. Um, he came across people with leprosy and skin diseases, and he would lay hands on them and pray for them, and he touched them, which was against the law to do in his time. And, and almost like he would take on what they had, and they were healed. And they were restored into their culture and their society because their diseases kept them from their culture and their society. And, and a part of what the faith is all about is renewing and restoring and, and, and bringing people back to God. That, that is the point. Um, and so everything he did, he had a 100% success rate. Nobody came to Jesus with an issue and left on whole. They left healed. And we can say, it's easiest for us to say, well, Jesus was God. Absolutely. A thousand percent. Never stopped being God the entire time. But if we begin to step back and look at the scriptures and see how he operated, chose to operate and submit himself, he actually says, I can't do anything apart from the Father. That's what he says. He says, I do nothing apart from the Father. So we look at this model of Jesus' life, and there's these characteristics that come out. And one of them is, I only do what the Father tells me to do. So literally, his whole agenda was to fulfill the will of the Father. So everything that Jesus does shows you what God is all about, period. So if you're ever having a question, if you're wrestling with who God is, open up the Gospels, read about the life of Jesus, that's what God is like. And it's hard because we wrestle, we look at the Old Testament and we see things that feel like contradictions. I get it. I wrestle with those things too. But God's greatest revealing of himself is Jesus Christ. And so he, he says that. He says, I only say what the Father tells me to say. I only do what the Father tells me to do. I can't do anything without that. That's what he says. And all throughout the, the Gospels it says that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit. So in some mysterious way, and I don't fully understand it, Philippians 2 begins to go into that. Theologians call it the kenosis. He lived in chosen, self-imposed limitations. I mean, he's human, right? God becomes man. There's limitations to, to us as human beings. But nonetheless, you look at his life and his ministry. And I think that one of the main reasons why Jesus chose to do it that way was to show us how to do it, was to be an example for us to how to live our lives. If Jesus only exclusively came to die for our sins, he could have done it as a two-year-old or a three-year-old. It would have fulfilled what was necessary to be fulfilled, the blood to be spilled. That's not what he did. He lived for 33 years because I think he wanted to show us how to do it, how to integrate humanity and spirituality into this seamless oneness connected with the Father led by the Holy Spirit. So everything he did, he did from that posture in that place. And so as, as we look at this idea of prayer, uh, I, I think that Jesus, what he does in several places in the scriptures is he actually communicates to us how he was able to function in this way. Because he tells us that he wants us to function in that way as well. So I think in the way that he tells us to function, just the same thing that Dylan said to the kids so beautifully with the plant, 
He's like, hey, y'all, this is my secret. This is how I did it. This is how I want you to do it. I want you to continue the ministry that I started now that I've given my life for you and I've been resurrected. I've gone to be with the Father. Now you continue on as my followers and you live in that faithfulness and you be like me and do what I did. And so one of the things I want you to to hear this morning, because it's not just Jimmy who's saying that, it's Jesus who said that, is literally he said to his believers Everything that I have done, you can do too. And actually, you will do greater things than I have done. I have no idea what that means. I don't know how one can do greater things. I've heard it explained in not great ways by people over the years, taking out miraculous out of the equation, basically explaining it through technology. Right? And even as a young person, I knew, that doesn't sound right. Um, there's got to be something else there. And so... What I want to communicate to us this morning is the key to all of this is prayer. Prayer was the peace. So if you look at the disciples, these men who, uh, and others who followed Jesus and were with him 24-7 for a three-year period. So the 12 were with him, but others began to join. And, and, and with Jesus, groups grew to 10,000 and they grew back to 12. And they went bigger and they went smaller. And at one point, he asked the 12, are you going to hang out too? Or are you going to leave? Because as Jesus' teachings got harder and harder, people bailed. Because they couldn't hang. It either didn't make sense or it offended them or whatever reason. But it happened to Jesus as well. And they watched him do all these things. They watched him give sight to the blind. They watched him touch lepers. They watched him raise women up. They watched him, you know, all these different things they watched him do. Miraculous and amazing things. They watched him raise people from the dead multiple times. There's three different times that Jesus raises people from the dead, not just Lazarus. Lazarus is like the culmination of the three. And with everything that they saw, everything, everything they witnessed of him doing, they only ever asked him to teach them one thing teach us how to pray. They didn't say, teach us how to raise the dead. They didn't say, teach us how to heal the sick. Teach us how to cast out demons. They said, teach us how to pray. Why? Because they saw that everything that Jesus did came from his prayer life. He would wake up in the morning. And he'd go spend time with the Father. And he'd be, I'm guessing in that conversation... Jesus would know, okay, we're going to Samaria today because the Father told me to go to Samaria. We're going here today. We're going there today. We're going to encounter this woman at a well. We're going to encounter this woman up in in Syrophoenicia. We're going to, all these different things. We're going to run into a leper. I'm sure that Jesus had an awareness of what was going on and, and, and the Spirit guided him to where he was supposed to go. Again, could have done it all himself as God. And everything he, he did, he could have just, as God, he could have done. But I think he chose a different path and a different way for us. I mean, becoming human was the path he chose for us. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at two verses. And I believe in these two verses are the key that kind of unlock how we are to experience the things that Jesus got to experience as followers of, of, of him, of Jesus. Um, if you have your Bibles, hopefully you do, that's what we're going to talk out of and preach out of as we always do, John chapter 15. So open to John chapter 15. 
And Jesus is having this conversation, and, and like Dylan said, it's leading up to the end. So John 15, 16, 17 is right at the end. He's in Jerusalem. He's, he's preparing to give his life to die. The garden scene is coming. And he's spending these moments, and these are like his last core teachings to his, his inner circle, so to speak. And he's trying to download to them as much as he can and give to them what he can. And, it's, and John records these words. And he begins by he, giving this illustration of vine and branches. And if I was more put together, I'd have a plant like Dylan. Um, but I don't have that. So thanks, Dylan, for bringing the plant for me. But I can only imagine, because Jesus was a rabbi, and so he used things around him. I, I, again, I, it doesn't say that the text says this, but well, actually it does. A good example is they're walking by. Do you remember the story where he's walking by a fig tree, and he stops at the fig tree, and he gets really ticked off of it, at it? Fig tree is a symbol, actually, for the leadership of Israel. That's why he's ticked off at it, and he curses the fig tree, and it dies. I would imagine that they are walking through a vineyard someplace in Jerusalem, in the city. And if you go to Jerusalem, if you ever have, have a chance to go, and, and by the way, I'd love to lead a trip there if, if we get enough people that want to go. Um, next year in April, maybe, just putting it out there. Um, spring break. Not that I've thought about it or anything. Um, but uh, there's vineyards, and Israel is actually a phenomenal place to grow grapes and, and to produce wine. The arid climate and, and it is really good. And I can imagine Jesus walking by a vineyard and stopping and, and stopping everybody who's with him, the 12 and others, all the faithful men and women that were following him at that point. And he probably pointed him and he started into this dialogue and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Literally, uh, if you've ever seen a, a vine from a vineyard, there's one massive, thick vine that, or, that runs the length of the whole thing. And everything comes from that place. Everything. Every little thing. And then from that are these branches that come off, and from the branches come fruit. And, and what he says is he says, then he, he gives a job description to the Father. He says, he says, the Father is the gardener in the vineyard. And he comes around and, and he cuts off the branches that don't bear any fruit. And the branches that do bear fruit, he trims back or he prunes. We can bring Susan Gruel up here and she can talk about how to properly prune something. I would kill it. But uh, somehow there's a correct way to cut plants. I just get the thing out and go, in my yard. Um, I don't cut them correctly. But he says the, the father, it's almost like strategic surgery. The cutting is, and it's important where you cut and how you cut and the angle you cut at and the season you cut at. All those things matter. And I know nothing about any of that stuff, but I know it's important. And so, again, he, he cuts off the branches that bear no fruit and the, and the ones that, that bear fruit he cuts in a certain strategic way. Why? So they would bear more fruit. So either way, you're going to get cut. Sorry. That's how it goes. You're either getting cut off because you're not doing anything or you're getting strategically cut so that you can do more. So it's a, it's a relationship with, with God. Our relationship with God is not static. There's a requirement. And in that requirement, it's like things should be coming from your life. There should be things that, there should be grapes hanging off you as the vine. Not always, because we go through seasons where we don't produce as much as we do, but we should be producing something. 
And in the seasons where we're struggling to produce, God comes around and the Father comes around and he goes, let me help you with that. And in loving gentleness, he cuts us in ways that might hurt, might be confusing. We may not understand it, but it always, always, always is for the betterment and the growth and to produce fruit. Because that's the purpose. That's the reason. So we're in this relationship where, where other theologians have, have called it, that we're, we're actually co-creating with God. So he's the vine, we're the branches, but we're working together to produce things. And that's what God wants. That's what, that's what God's desire is for us. So if you're sitting there right now and you feel like you're not worthwhile, you're not worthy, you, you, don't, you don't produce any fruit, I'm telling you those things are lies. You are made to produce fruit. If you're connected to God, you're made to produce fruit. If you're not connected to God, yay, you can do it. It's easy. You just say, Lord, come into my life. Jesus, I want more of you. And if we've been dormant in our fruit producing, that's also all we need to say. Lord, forgive me. I want to be somebody who produces fruit. <clears throat> and that's it. It's a, it's, a, it's a posture of heart. And if we have that posture of heart, God is always like this, ever always like this, the father waiting for the son to come home or the daughter to come home. That's God. If you want to know what God's like, that's God. The epitome of the picture of God is the prodigal son. One of the most profound and beautiful parables. And, and it's why it's so popular. And why it, it doesn't make sense to us. Because why could you be so bad and yet still be taken back in? Because that's what God's like. So if any of you guys are in that place right now where you're frustrated or you feel like you're not bearing fruit or something's sticking with you, man, you're in the right place. And I want you to hear the truth this morning that you're created to bear fruit. So we look at the life of Jesus and we see how Jesus lives and, and we see that he's trying to illustrate at the end of his life what the most crucial important things are. And this 15 is about bearing fruit and, and, and walking with the Lord and 17 is about unity in the body and coming together. And, and those are the things he wanted to leave his people, the most important things. He wanted to let them know. And so this is what Jesus says. These are the two verses that I, I want to just give you this morning. He says this in verse 17. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So there's two parts to this that I would say are the key to how Jesus lived his life and how he invites us to live his life so that we can experience what Jesus experienced. Connected to the Father, led by the Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. He says, the first and, and, and foremost, you need to remain in me. This word remain in Greek is meno. And meno is actually fascinating. It's, uh, it's, it, it has a Hebrew root, root from the word yeshav. But it means to sit, to dwell, or to remain. That's, that's what meno means. So literally, Jesus is saying, come hang out with me. That's it. Come spend time with me. Come sit with me in the busyness of your life. Come remain with me. Other versions say abide. If you abide with me, hang out. If you track back into the Old Testament, <clears throat> the most common word, um, yeshav, the most common way that it's used is to, to describe when a person moves into a region and settles down and lives there forever. That's the root of meno. So literally, you transition from where you are living, 
you go live into a different land, because it's always about a land, it's not about a house, so here it's about a house, but, but then it was about you lived in these different regions, and it's, it's whenever a group moved into a region and settled there to stay, that was Menno. And that's what Jesus says. Come, settle in, move in with me to stay. It's a relationship. It's all relationship. It's relationship language. <clears throat> if you go to somebody's house and you knock on the door and they invite you in, it's relationship, right? The Middle East is known for this. So it's people still in the Middle East will do this. Um, we had the opportunity to go and pray over a, a Muslim man and he invited us into our, his home. And when you get invited into those homes, it's not just, you know, here we can come and, and stay for 10 minutes and leave. There it's like hours. It's like get ready, right? And uh, it's beautiful. And we sat there, and, and first it was coffee, and then it was tea, and then it was more tea, and then it was more coffee, and it was conversing, and it was, you know, it was beautiful, it was amazing, and it was also like 9 o'clock at night, so you're like, I'm going to be up till 1 or 2 with all this tea in my system that's super caffeinated. It was ama- like some of the best tea I've ever had, lots of sugar, and I just kept drinking it, and Lauren was there. I was like, Lauren, can I have yours? And she's like, yeah, I'm not going to. I was like, it was just good. But that's what it's like. But we don't live our lives that way. How many things do you have scheduled this week? You know? How many meetings you got? How many hours are you going to spend working? And this and that and watching TV and all, all those things, and that's just part of life. But how many of us actually schedule time to hang out with God? Like put it in our calendars. Make it a priority. That's one of the things I've learned. If you put it in your calendar, it becomes a priority. At least for me. I, li- I literally rely on my phone to tell me where to go during the day. Because I wouldn't remember. And I can't, I'm not a paper, my wife's a paper calendar person and I'm not a paper calendar person. And so it dings and I go, oh yeah, I, I got, shoot, I got to go. Um, that's why there's 30 minute lead times and an hour lead times and two-day lead, so I'm very thankful that to Apple and whoever invented the calendar app. Um, it's super helpful. But what I've realized, so I, I spent uh, Friday on, on a retreat. I try, try and go do that every other month, spend an entire day on Friday um, out at a retreat center. I went to Lial, this Catholic retreat center. It was just amazing. It's good timing in so many ways. And, and the reason I wanted to go out there is to spend time working on this series and just to get alone and be with with the Lord. That's what Jesus did. That's what we need to do. But how many of us prioritize our lives in that way? When's the last time you carved out an entire day to hang out with God? It's probably been a while. Especially if you have young kids in your home. It's really hard to do. And I'm, and I'm not, don't hear me, I'm not trying to, don't beat yourself up for it. Just be mindful of it. And to know exactly what, I can't remember if Kelly said it or Bridget said it or, or Dylan said it. Where they just said, just, oh, yeah, Bridget said it. Remember, God is more excited to hang out with you than you are to hang out with him. Like, he just wants to be with you. He just wants to spend time with you. And what does that look like? You're doing it right now. <laughs> when we come into this place, we do it communally. When we come before the Lord and worship, we are, we are remaining in God in those moments. That's what we're doing. Worship is an act of remaining. Worship is an act of stepping before the Lord and saying, here I am. I want to I hang out with you. I want to be with you. 
and we, and we bring all the luggage and the baggage and the issues of our lives with us because we're human and we have those things and we're sinful and we struggle with those things. I get it. But every time God's saying, just give it to me as we're hanging out. Just hand it over to me. I'll, those are my things. <laughs> Actually, I died so you could give me those things. That's the reality. And, and so that's a way, another way is just to get up in the morning and, and just, for me, I have a chair in, in a certain room. Actually, in our house, we call it the prayer room because uh, that's what we do in there for the most part. We pray. Um, and I get up in the morning before anybody else gets up and, and just sit in that chair with my Bible, with a cup of water. I usually have to set a timer. Otherwise, I'll just keep praying because um, there's other kids need to go to school and, and, and life has to be gone on with. But every day, and I crave that space. My soul needs that space to function. I've, I, I am literally addicted to hanging out with the Lord. Um, but it's, it's not, it doesn't flow naturally all the time. It's a muscle that has to be worked and flexed. Like anything else. If you've ever tried to build your muscle or train yourself in some way, it takes time. So if you go to your space, you go to your chair, what Bethany talked about so beautifully last week is you come before the fire, the presence of God, and you're just, you're there. And for the first time you feel like, well, nothing's happening. Maybe God's just waiting for you to settle in. Right? Give yourself time. Give yourself patience. But the invitation is always there. So that's the first key that Jesus says. Hey, if you want to experience what I experienced, you got to hang out with me. you got to literally sit, dwell, remain. You gotta move, we got to move in together. That's, that's the first key. The second key to this whole thing is he says this, if my word abides in you, that's what he says, my word abides in you or remains in you. Same word, remain, remain, meno. So literally, if, my, if the word of God is remain, sitting, dwelling, remaining, if it's made its home in your heart, in your life, that's what's being asked there. So here's something that's interesting. And this, will, this might be hard for some of you, and that's okay. It's good to be challenged. There are two words for the word word in Greek. We have one word. That's it. They, the Greeks had two. The first is logos. You've probably heard that before. It's common. It's the most common. Logos predominantly is used to describe the written word of God. This right here. What we, what we call the scriptures. And, uh, and, and also, obviously, for, for the Gospel of John, the Logos is Jesus, because Logos is this massive Greek term that basically means the preeminent one who created all things is in, and the all-powerful one. In the Greek mind, that's what Logos meant. And that's why John describes Jesus as Logos in John chapter 1. That's a really uh, lame definition, but it's, it'll have to do for now. I remember one of my first assignments in seminary was to write, and this is like when things were starting to be online chat rooms way back in the day. That's how, that's how old Ann and I are. We're old. Um, we went to seminary back in the early 2000s. And, uh, well, yeah, my first assignment in Christian history was to write on the Logos. And I did all this research, and I wrote on it, and I thought I did a pretty good job. And I got to class, and the professor's like, meh. And I was like, oh, well, Anyway, this is not a sermon on the Logos. That's the first word. See, no notes. That'd be all right. 
I'll hear more about it later. Um, the second word is rima. second Greek word for word is rima. What does rima mean? Rima means the spoken word. So you have the written word and the spoken word. And here, Jesus is saying, if my spoken word abides in you. Well, what does that mean? Great question. So the rima can be this for us, right? The scriptures. It doesn't take the scriptures out of play. Scripture is always the foundation of all things. But it's also, let me give you an example. What is rima? Um, probably the, one of the best examples, a ton of examples, the prophets all deal in, in what they spoke. But essentially, rima is the spoken word of God. So one of the best examples of that is the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. She received rima through her journey. She didn't have the New Testament to look at and to read and to reference. So an angel appeared to her and spoke to her. That's rima. Okay? Um, when the, the Magi appeared, I'm, I'm assuming they spoke words of wisdom to her, I'm, probably that God gave them to speak. That's Rima. When the shepherds appeared and they were crazy and, and wild and run around because they're, they're young kids, they were probably praising and worshiping God. And it says, it says of Mary, and then later Simeon and Anna, that, that beautiful encounter in the temple where they spoke prophetic words over her because r- prophetic words are Rima. And then it says in the scriptures, she pondered all those things in her heart. So she took all those things in, all those words that were spoken. She took them in, and she, it says she pondered, she held them in a sacred space. Why? Because they were priceless to her. And so those, those moments in time, as you're, as you're actively reading the scriptures, there's times when something jumps at you, where, where the word of God comes alive at you, and it like speaks to your soul. That's Rima. And it's God speaking directly to you. And you grab onto that and you hold on to that, just like Mary did, and you ponder that. There are times when, when God sends people in our lives to speak truth to us. People prophesy over, and I know that this is something that's new to us, but when people speak words that the Lord gave them to give to you, that's like Rima. And so what Jesus says is, is those things, you, you take those things and you, you ponder them in your heart and you hold on to them to the extent that Mary holds on to them. And you steep yourself in God's word. And you carry that around with you. And he says, if you do those two things. If you remain in me. If you sit, dwell, remain. If we hang out with each other on a consistent basis. And your being is put in me. And I am in you. And then you take my words. And you, and you lock them in your soul and you carry them around with you and you bring them out when things are hard and you remember what the truth is. He says, if you do those two things, and anything you ask for, you'll get. That's a radical statement that Jesus says. That whatever you ask, it will be done for you. How can he say that? Isn't that like, I mean, you know, people are like, Lord, I'd like a Porsche. I'd like a big house. I'd like a lot of money, right? And we can... Pray those prayers all day long, but they most likely won't be answered. Why? Because they probably don't align with those two things. They don't line, necessarily line up with what God is about and what God is speaking to you. So when you begin to pray prayers that line up with the heart of God and line up with the Word of God, 
what you're essentially doing is you're proclaiming or professing in your prayer into this world what God wants done. And God says, I will gladly do that. Because that's what I want to happen. And I know we can get into all kinds of conversations about, I, I prayed for somebody to be healed and they died. Isn't that what God wants? I get it. It's hard, it's complicated, it's messy. But it doesn't mean we stop having faith to do it. Right? we got to have that. And so I, I think that Jesus is telling us, if we posture ourselves in this way and embrace these two principles, you'll begin to see fruit like you've never seen it before. And that's the last verse that I'll, I'll read from you from the scriptures this morning that we're going to talk about. This will only take me like an hour to explain. <laughs> Nobody has any plans before one, do they? He said, so in, after... All the things that build up to this, not just verse 7, but verses 1 through, through 7. And then he says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. He literally says, when you receive answers to prayer, it glorifies me. I get praised through that. Why? Because that's what God wants. So literally, Jesus lived his life in such a way where he went around and just did what the Father wanted done, and he asked what the Father wanted done, and he said what the Father wanted done, and so it got done. Why? Because the Father wanted it to get done. The same thing is true of us. What does bearing fruit look like? And if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're not bearing fruit, this is what we need to do. This is what needs to shift. We need to begin to, and if, if you're, if you're praying like crazy, take a step back and begin to ask, what's going on here, Lord? Why am I not seeing fruit in this? Why is there struggle in this? Because sometimes unanswered prayers form us and shape us, and, and God keeps saying, no, I want you to knock harder. I want you to pursue more. I want you to keep coming after me. Because your heart and yourself is not aligned yet and ready yet to, to have me answer this prayer yet. And if we do it too soon, I will jeopardize you from this process. So God loves us enough in that way. But this is the invitation we are invited into. This is what God says that prayer should look like. And this is not entry-level prayer. This is not fold your hands and, and bow your head. This is like life transformation to begin to see God move in your life in radical ways. Because God, God loves all the prayers that you pray. But he... He wants you to begin to pray in such a way where it aligns with his heart. And when you begin to do that, the earth begins to shake and change. That's the type of prayer that God wants us to be praying. That doesn't mean stop praying for the daily things that you need. Lord, help me with this kid. Help me get through this. Help me. Those are all good things. But God wants to take you to places that you've never been before in your relationship with him. And he wants you to see things you've never seen before. And it's not you, it's going to be him working through you. And that's the great part. We don't have to be these super spiritual beings in order to participate in this. We just have to be willing. Willing to surrender. Willing to show up. Willing to have enough faith to believe that what God says he wants to do through you can be done. Just like Jesus. I think, again, that's why Jesus models his life the way he models his life for us so that we can live in that way. That's it. I think I'm done. Holy Spirit, is there anything else you want me to say? So what I want to do is I just want to take a moment right now and invite us into a posture of prayer and just to practice this.
and just, because let's make this, let's take this home. Let's not just, um, let's not just talk about something or have it sound good, but let's actually pray. What's the point if we're, we're not doing what we're talking about? If we're not living out our faith. So I just want you to take whatever you have uh, and put it to the side so you don't have anything in your lap, lap. You don't have any distractions. If you have a kiddo, you can grab onto that kiddo and pray with them. And we'll just have Bridget, she'll just play in the background just softly and quietly. We're just going to come before the Lord. Like that song says, we're going to make room. We're just going to spend a moment remaining. What Jesus says is he says, remain in my love. I love that. We're going to come before the Father. We're going to remain in the love of Jesus. Just on your own, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you prayer prompts, just examples of ways to pray. If you have your own ways, then don't listen to me. Do what what you feel led to do. But just start off by just acknowledging God's presence is with you. So Father, thank you for being with me. Father, thank you for loving me. Just take a moment to share your heart's desire to begin to learn to dwell in the presence of God, in the love of God, just right now on your own. With your own words. Talk to Jesus about dwelling and your desire to dwell. a moment to invite God to ask him to teach you how to remain in his word what that looks like for you Father how what does it look like to remain in your word in my life Holy Spirit would you reveal that now to me how do I need to begin to do that moment just to talk to Jesus. This might look like catching up with an old friend. It might look like the need to just confess whatever it is that's kept you from hanging out with him in your life, whatever it may be, work, chasing after this, chasing after that, worries, concerns, anxiety, frustrations, disappointments, old letdowns, Whatever it may be, just lay that at the feet of Jesus right now. Just say, Lord, I I give these things to you. Would you forgive me for them? Would you take them from me? 
so that I can be more present with you. teach me how to navigate through them as one connected to you. Father, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you for how much you love us. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you that you want to be in a relationship with us. We thank you for Jesus and his life, his death and his resurrection, but also his, the years that he lived and the way he modeled how to live and the connection that he had with you and that he desires us to have that same connection too, that sweetness intimacy and a relationship. And Father, I pray that over these, every person in this room, that they would have a, a desire, a burning desire to hang out with you, to dwell with you, to remain with you, and to carry your word in their heart, in their soul, and to be led by it, and to do what it says, to be open to receiving people who speak to them, wherever that may come, whatever truth may come. Father, I ask for a blessing, a fruit to be poured out in this, among these people in their lives. They would begin to see the tangible work of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in the same way that Jesus did in his ministry. May you pour yourself out on us. May we see the same thing because of our connection with you. May you posture our hearts in such a way that we would desire more of you we would not be afraid. We would step out in faith in the ways that we need to step out and live a life that is pleasing and holy to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand as we finish this morning. And uh, what I want to do is I want to invite you to uh, to repeat after me. And, and I just feel like I want to lead you through just speaking truth over yourself, over one another. Um, again, if you don't feel like you can say that, I, you don't need to say it, but um, I feel like this is what how the Holy Spirit wants us to end our time together this morning. I'm a child of God. I am loved by the Father. I was created to bear fruit. And I desire to remain in the love of God and for God's word to remain in me. And as I do that, I will bear fruit. I will see what Jesus saw and experience what he experienced. And I will do it to the glory of God. Amen.
people of Washington, go in peace.